Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now going back to phase two for Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm Alex. Yes, I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And when we last checked in with phase two for our recap of the Marvel movies, I think it was a year ago, something like that. 80s? It's been a bit. Yeah, it's it's because there's been so much other Marvel stuff to cover. They keep releasing it. That's what I love about Marvel movies, man. They keep coming out and I keep getting older. All right, all right, all right. Is that the quote? That's not what that means. Hey, man, watch the leather. You're right, though. You are right. (laughs) It's not wrong. Marvel keeps coming and we keep getting older. But in the gap here between Moon Knight and Miss Marvel coming out in June, we figured just enough time. Party at the Moon Tower or Moon Knight Tower. What? Eventually, we're... we're Pete's getting older faster than us. Eventually, we're all going to lose our vision, our Marvel vision. We're going to have to wear Marvel glasses. There you go. So in the gap here, we're going to be going back and recapping some of the Phase 2 movies, the ones that we haven't gotten to yet. Starting with Guardians of the Galaxy from 2014. This is directed by James Gunn, written by James Gunn and Nicole Perlman. Now, I'm going to say something right off the top here because I've seen this movie a couple of times, but I haven't watched it in a while. Not only is this a great movie, but, and I know Pete's going to take exception to the way I'm going to phrase this, but after a span of movies and TV shows where I've been like, yeah, this is fun. I'm having a good time. Watching this again, I was like, oh, right. I like this stuff a lot. Like watching this movie, this is a great movie. Super fun. Super well-structured. Started off a whole chain of funny, like uh, really loosened up the whole mm-hmm. game. I mean, this was a this was a huge impact, this, this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and maybe it's a little unfair to judge Phase 4 by the standard of one of the best Marvel movies ever, in my opinion. But at the same time, I had such a blast watching this again. Had such a good time. Cried at the same points that I cried previously. Yeah, and, right? yes, you know, it's I just was and it 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 reminded me what I like about Marvel again. You, you know what? You wow. know why I think subconsciously is because it started with an all comics Marvel flip as it should be. Really gets you set up in the right mood. Yeah, paying respects That's to the 100%. comics. The whole reason we're here. I mean, really this just is what sets I'm saying. the whole I tone. watched that. I watched the logo and then I turned it off. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I said I cried a lot and I met and every time a page turned in that Marvel flip, oh, man, the one it. whole tear came out of my eye. Well, you I'm do the same thing dehydrated. when you're reading a comic because every time you're reading so close, you just paper cut your eye. You're, you're uh, flipping the page yeah, past. Stop, right? Exactly. Stop Death of that. a thousand cuts. <laughs> um, I uh, also thought this movie was so good and it did. It made me wish some of the elements from this phase were in our modern phase, like you're talking about, Alex, because I do think... Enjoy the phase we're in. No, I like all the phases. Um, But this phase, I think comparing these two movies, Doctor Strange 2, which we just talked about, just came out, and this movie, and the filmmakers, Sam Raimi and James Gunn, I think is a great way to maybe start this, because in our review of Doctor Strange, we talked about how we love the Raimi-ness of it, but it's not... Uh, it's sort of overtaken by the phase four business and earlier continuity that has to be explained but, and then move forward over the course of the movie. Let me finish with this. Even though there's continuity that's established here, big like Thanos, um, Infinity Stone, yeah. we're fixing some previous Eternal continuity that, that they stuff. changed. 
We see a celestial head here. Like we're laying yeah. out a lot of pieces on the board, but it's done during the uh, the real movie. As opposed to phase four, it's like that is the job, and then the movie happens in between the chess moves. And I think we got to flip the formula back so that we can really have a movie that is fun, feels different, and lets the filmmaker and creatives shine uh, so that we can really, like, get weirder with it. Because this movie's weird. All right, all right. Well, I appreciate what you're doing here, and I really want to jump in on this. This is a very exciting idea. So what we're we're talking about is kind of like – and early comic books like Spider-Man's, we had the uh, Rami effect, you know, and then now we're having the gun effect where, like, he's really putting his stamp on comic book movies and kind of making huge waves and how we kind of, like, uh, narrate and talk through these kinds of... Uh, so it's really interesting that uh, we're kind of in a different phase as well as, like, different directors who are kind of helming these uh, uh, huge projects and also having, like... Like this combination of comedy and uh, you know action and intense. I mean, Remy all uh, really leaned on the horror and that kind of stuff, but also had light moments. You know what I mean? Like really mm-hmm. kind of uh, a comedy mixed in with the horror. And here we're getting the comedy and the action, and it's just such an easy way to like these characters. I mean, having Quill in this opening sequence just kind of dance his way around danger as he's like singing and kicking space rats. I mean, this is just such a great way to kind of introduce a character why we're still kind of doing the business of introing the movie the world what's going on just a quick note here by the way that i should have said at the beginning if for whatever reason you haven't seen guardians of the galaxy go watch it it's on disney yeah, plus we are now. Gonna talk about yes it. we're going to talk about it we're going to spoil it i assume you've seen it before but if you're listening, but for whatever reason, obviously we're going to get into spoilers here, as Pete just very mildly did. Uh, two quick things that I wanted to say, actually a quick thing and then a slightly longer thing off of what you're saying, Pete. The first thing I wanted to say is if you introduce Gun in Phase 2, you got to pay him off in Phase 5. You know what I'm talking about? Well, what's uh, great I don't about know if that's going to happen. What's great about the Gun Effect is we're I'm, crossing I'm Marvel and DC lines here. You know what I mean? Like, this mm-hmm. guy is so big, he's on both sides. Well, I mean, well, there's a whole story there. It's, that we it's, it's a bit of a bad yeah, situation yeah, that happened yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's not touch on that. But I did the bigger thing that I did want to say off of what you guys are talking about, and I do think this is a good big discussion to have about the MCU as a whole, is if you go back to 2014, you remember the conversation oh, leading up to time, Garg- huh? What a what time, huh? What a time for I mean, us. You don't have to worry about viruses. You could go outside. I mean, what a time. Thanks. You took what I was going to say. That was. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to talk. No, absolutely not. I was going to talk about (laughs) the feeling around Guardians of the Galaxy because you had the MCU up to this point. It was a specific thing, and there were a lot of different ideas and tones that they were playing with. But this was the first one that a lot of the conversation leading up to it was maybe not from fans like us who knew Guardians of the Galaxy from the comic books, but from outside being like. I don't know. I think this is the one that they're going to screw up. The talking raccoon, a tree, there's no way this is going to work on screen. You bring in James Gunn, who's known for these splattery horror movies, and that's pretty much it. You're giving him this Star Wars type thing. Chris Pratt, mostly known as the funny, chubby guy from Parks and Recreation, suddenly you're trying to sell him as a muscled superhero. This is just not going to work at all. And obviously, I think we all agree, and the world agrees, it completely dominated, completely worked. It worked. But the thing that I think is interesting about it that we're sort of talking around here is it worked 
And then not only did, like Pete was saying, the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy, very similar to how the tone of Iron Man seeped throughout the MCU following that, Mm. the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy seeped through the MCU after that. But up until this phase four, they haven't really taken chances the same way with directors. And now they're taking chances, but I, I know we disagree about this, but I would throw out, it feels... It doesn't feel like the same way where James Gunn was like, I'm making this big James Gunn movie in the MCU with Guardians of the Galaxy. You get Chloe Zhao, who is a brilliant filmmaker, doing something with Eternals that feels like 50% Chloe Zhao and 50% something else. Or Sam Raimi, I know, to be more generous with Doctor Strange 2, maybe like 70% Sam Raimi, 30% MCU stuff going on. So I think what we're talking around here, or at least what I would like to see is them to take these big chances on filmmakers who have visions, who have tones, and let them go crazy with it. You're not going to get it working every single time. Like, there's a certain amount of magic with James Gunn and the cast and the script that he worked on with Nicole Perman here that really work with Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's what I'd like to see going forward. I'd like to see people who are like, here's my step. Yeah, well, but- I think the tricky part is, like, with... There's there's a Marvel tone now to the movies that I think everyone is like, well, make sure that it's a little quippy. The stakes are high from the jump. And um, we're balancing like whatever genre we're laying on or director like Sam Raimi. Like we'll have some horror elements here, but it has to also be funny and has to also be super superhero-y because those are the stories we're telling. So like it has to do so much when it feels like back in this phase, it was like, hey – um, we don't have to do a ton of tonal stuff because the tone of this movie is going to be by, on its own. It's going to be action, comedy, character-driven, like, badass stuff. And so that gets to exist on its own, and they lay in the elements that are a little more um, subtle or secretive. Like, Thanos being there is like, okay, cool. I don't know. It doesn't, we don't have to – we're not – Answering questions, we're setting some stuff up that doesn't need to pay off immediately. And that makes it just a little lighter without it feeling like it's all overstuffed. And I just wanted to say, like, I think to call a comparison to Iron Man and to this is very smart because this this idea of leaning into the comedy. I mean, John Favreau. Uh, somebody who improv. You can't. You you John Favreau. Take you, it easy. You build up. You build up oh, John as, Favreau oh, as, as the director. As the director. As director. Not, yeah. Okay. I, got yes. you. I, I thought, thought you were talking about Street. Like, Jesus starting, Christ. Starting first with Happy Hogan. Let's <laughs> no, talk about saying it is as funny. a director. Okay. Leaning on the comedy, like James Gunn leans on the comedy of this, really opens <laughs> things up and lets things kind of be what it wants to be or be its own thing. So that you can make big swings, you can make big choices, like having the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, like this group of people come together and kind of form in this in this movie and leaning on the comedy aspect, like uh, just, the you know, the cutaways to like Groot doing ridiculous things. But he's also one of the most earnest, you know, like caring yeah. members. You know, he has he's such a range. Tree. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. He's a giving tree. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. They call that literally to quote the movie there. Um, can we just add a note to post? Um, when Pete said John Favreau, could we put the sound of meat uh, being dropped into a dog pound uh, over top of that? And then Alex and I will just be barks <laughs> screaming at the beef, trying to get our teeth around it. Yeah. Uh, around poor Jeez, Pete's John it, Favreau take, point. Yeah. Wow, I <laughs> Which was name. a valid point, but Thank we you. jumped on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah We yeah, jumped on no, Well, no, it no, is no, funny. No. We both thought the same thing that you were like, <laughs> yeah, John Favreau as Happy Hogan is improvising his way to this <laughs> 
but some sort of really set the tone uh, for the rest of yeah. the MCU after that point. Oh my god! Uh, but I, I think you're right. I mean, the other thing is we we all have comedy backgrounds, so we know this is true. But it takes a specific type of director to make that sort of thing work, like and feel, specific, yeah, 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 and feel right, and also know when to say yes, we're going to improvise now, but also now no, we're not going to improvise right. because there are some great jokes and things that happen throughout the movie that are improvised. I mean, a probably. Ton. The top tier one for me is uh, – so Sean Gunn, who is James Gunn's brother, played Rocket Raccoon on set, and then they added Bradley Cooper's uh, voice later. I don't think he – at this point, he's probably met everybody, but I think there was like through Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he's like, yeah, I've never met anybody on uh, – I've never, I've never, I never yeah. worked with anybody on this stuff. Um, but Sean Gunn improvised the thing at the end of the circle, the motivational speech towards the end, but he's like, oh, great. Now we're all standing up. Isn't this yeah. great? So, Which is a great line, super funny, plays against all this emotion that we've had there. And so knowing to leave in something like that and lean into that versus – other times when it can be more scripted, again, to sort of bring around the point, I think you need a strong hand with the director there. And everybody wants to be able to do that, but not everybody can, you know? Well, and it also shows in the writing a lot um, in that these characters are so strong from the jump and their yeah. character games. Character games is like a, a, a comedy terminology, piece of terminology where it's like, oh yeah, please explain sort of, it you, for the well, listeners. I think it's worth listeners. explaining. Yeah, not to yeah, you. Hopefully, Pete. I know I'm you hoping know that it. John Favreau is listening to this podcast. Yeah, why don't you call your buddy and have him explain comedy to us? I, I wish he would turn my calls. Um, I like that you're still. I like that you're still calling him though. That's uh, I think you um, call him at, the character uh, games. The number is J O N F A V R E A U, right? Mm-hmm. Leave off the last U <laughs> right. for useless. <laughs> oh, wow. you watch your mouth, man. Interesting. Uh, great. I love count, hearing you count those letters in real time, Alex. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I uh, counted the char- character game. <laughs> yeah, I, I know yeah. you did. <laughs> um, yeah. A character game is um, sort of if you boil a character down to the essential sort of bit of play or thing that they're playing over the course of this movie. Um, it's they're so strong right from the jump, and we just get to see them bounce off each other in the best way. Peter Quill trying to be a hero, sort of dumb um, but fearless, and and both good and bad at it. You got Gamora, who's um, just hardcore warrior, out of her depth. Drax, who doesn't understand metaphors, uh, is so funny. It's funny the first time. It's funny all the way through the, the end. Whole when he's time. like, when he's like, I nailed it. Throw it across, <laughs> or knife across throat. And he's like, No, that's not. That's not right. <laughs> uh, it's just so good throughout, and it's very rare to have that. I think, and it really requires a, a strong focus. Like in a lot of movies, there's just so much going on. In MCU movies, there's so much going on. That's hard to really have those sharp character games yeah, not to keep it getting and, on dr strange but he but, you just don't know what his move is in well, any, what's in great any moment. about what you're saying is not only do we know the characters games but like as they're getting arrested we get such a cool like profile breakdown of like this is who they are this is their kind of superpower yeah. and they get to comment and writing. react to react to all that like oh i didn't know yeah. that this you know like just such fun like we get to see them kind of for who they are and then other people talk about their background and where they come from and why they're the way that they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to Justin's yeah, point. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I got a banana. Oh, look at what's uh, okay. This yeah. is great for an audio podcast. Yeah, yeah. 
just <laughs> the old bow and arrow. Yeah. Uh, just if you're wow. listening to this, just know yeah, I uh, made Justin that one Peter doing some <laughs> yeah. absolutely fantastic uh, curse finger stuff. Yeah, yeah. Really curse finger. I don't know. I forgot <laughs> middle what finger. Middle. Wow. Curse finger. <laughs> he had to do the whole like numbers thing and it broke his brain. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, side note, but I'm uh, playing at. <laughs> Never mind. I literally can't think oh. of anything. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say something about my bad name being Curse Finger, uh, and then I couldn't think of a single bar name. A single venue for you? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're ready. You can't think of a bar? Wow. Oh, wow. You got to get out more, brother. Dude, I didn't sleep well last night. Too excited about Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah, hey! Ah, when did hey. Stan Lee get here? Yes. Uh, on the same note as the character game, though, is that the script is really tight and pays off really nicely throughout. There are things that are seated in the first half of the movie and even like the very opening scene, which is so emotional. Those first five minutes with Peter Quill and his mob. Oh. I would yeah. chalk it up there with like. I know these are weird comparisons, but I remember that Up and the 2009 Star Trek came out the same summer. They were like a month of oh. each other. And those were two movies that I was sobbing in the movie theater in the first five minutes. And I was like, what is happening? Why am I so sad right now? And Guardians of the Galaxy is the same thing. Like, they hit you so hard right at the top of the movie with his mom dying and him <laughs> not taking her hand, her handing him the oh. present, all these things that pay off at the end in that final sequence. Yeah. So beautifully. It's great. It's just well-scripted, well-written, well-played throughout. And like you said, Justin, it's also very light about it. But also uh, the soundtrack, like the music is the thing that pulls you in. Like they really did an amazing. Yeah, they do an amazing job of handpicking songs that are playing and such a part of this story. I mean, the whole awesome mix of it is just hysterical on its own. But like the fact that these perfect songs that bring you back to these places and like just I mean, it. You see what are you, Gamora, cassette tapes? Yeah, well, you see Gamora go from just this warrior to like she, you know, when she puts the the headphones on her face, she's just this little puppy dog that's so cute, and you're just like, ah, oh, and it's just the the power of music is is such a great force, and they they really leaned into it and created an amazing soundtrack because you you had to if you were going to pull this all off. Real quick, an awesome mix. I'm the youngest member of the podcast. Is that like a Spotify, but you choose? Mm. Wow. Like, <laughs> no, because you don't choose yeah. on Spotify? Yeah. yeah. I let it go. Let the album, I, trust I, the Let audience. me explain something to you there, youngster. Uh, you know, there was a thing <laughs> called the radio where you would have to try to uh, listen and then hit record on a tape deck to get your favorite They'd song. Be like, coming up next, Backstreet Boys with I Want It That Way. And you're like, oh shit, I got to record right now. Wow, that was a horrible example of a song that would play I mean, in That is an example of a thing that I did. So there you and go. And sorry, that's like TikTok without dance video. <laughs> Just the audio. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it to you. I don't know. Well, so I, that's say, radio I don't know if you guys is. had the same thing, but uh, when I was coming up, creating a mixtape for a lady. That oh, was like, that's like a proposal. Exactly. No, you did that? You <laughs> created a mixtape for uh, someone you were interested in? Mm-hmm. And did Wait. you mail it to them? No, no, no. You hand it to them. You're like, listen, listen to this. These are songs that are really important to me. It's uh, Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, with a little <laughs> bit of Elvis Duran from Z100 before it, introducing it. Yes. And then that five more times. 
Well, Axe Street Boys, I want it that way. <laughs> this goes out to a crazy person who's been calling all day, Alex Salvin. I, I agree with you. The soundtrack is so great, and it does emphasize so many sequences. I mean, that is that is another talent in and of itself, that some of these aren't the deepest cuts, some are much deeper cuts, but James Gunn did such a good job curating it. He does the same thing in the second movie as well, and... I have not been to it, but reportedly on the Guardians of the Galaxy's rides, he curated songs, uh, too, in Disney World, the Disneyland. Wow, I love so, it. There you go. Sick. Uh, but yeah, it really works. And, and the songs are so good down to holding back on I Watch You Back for the very end is so joyous right there yeah. at the end of the movie. It is a perfect choice to end on down to uh, I remembered the dancing baby Groot in the sequence, but I had forgotten it went right into that. I know we're jumping right to the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, here, we but, are. Wow. But the fact that like they didn't have exactly an end credit sequence there. I mean, they do have a second one, but then yeah, it came do. right afterwards is so much fun and so enjoyable it's great. and perfect. To the movie. That's like leaning uh, into of the format of the movie to make it special. I think that's mm-hmm. what's so cool. Uh, also, I mean, one of the things that's amazing about this movie is the cast. I mean, this is an all-star collection. I mean, you got Glenn Close in this mug. I Glenn mean, Close uh, crushing it, just, looking you know, concerned. Yeah, I mean, you got the Roker in here. I mean, this dude's legend. Do you know what I mean? The Ro- oh, Michael Rooker. Yeah. Okay. Ro- not oh, Al Roker. Yeah, yeah. yeah not Al Roker. I was like, I don't remember Al. Yeah, yeah. It's like the weather is dark, Aster. Uh, um, <laughs> remember when we I'm were on a. Cruise ship and he saved our asses. Uh, you're again, you're talking about Michael Rooker, not yeah. Al Rooker. Okay, that's okay, true. Sure. Yeah. I am still talking about the same person. You guys keep trying <laughs> to make it he, Al, and it's not. I don't know uh, if he saved our asses. Oh, yeah, you don't it remember did. that? No, what did he do? What are you talking no. about? So, we're doing a, a show on top of a giant cruise ship, and it's like on this QA with the audience. <laughs> and so, like, oh, I have yes. a microphone. And people are asking the cast of Walking Dead questions. Zalvin's on the stage monitoring it. I get a question from the audience, and this kid who like can't form words, like he's mm. like, uh, you know, um, yeah. and it Roker comes flying over. I'm gonna keep calling him Roker. Roker, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, that's the confusing part. Yeah, yeah, it comes flying over and saves the day. Like uh, talks to this kid figures out what he wants yeah. to say. And like, uh, it was just like such a, uh, a boss move on his part. The fact that like he recognized what was going on and like jumped in. Was I so forgot cool. about that. You're right. Yeah. He was yeah. so great. On he was that. Great. So loose. So awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's a good call, Pete. Uh, Michael Rooker is great in this. I, I did want to ask, this reminded me vaguely because I feel like we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast. Justin, you're not a fan of Yondu's arrow, right? That's it. I was gonna bring this up. I there's something about it's too the killing arrow, the whistle arrow. It's too easy for him to just wreck everyone, and it's always bothered me. And and my rewatch, truly, everything in this movie um, has been I only like more, except for that arrow. No way, man! That arrow is fantastic because it's like controlled by such a light whistle that seems fun. But it's the deadliest whistle of all. I really, I, I kind of understand what you're saying just because it's been now played out several times. So we've sort of seen how it's played uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 specifically. But 
the way that they built it here, I actually thought was really nice that it's yeah. just him using it to put it uh, at the uh, the buyer, the broker, Bu- the broker's the broker, eye, yeah. and then at Peter Quill's throat. So it's just these little moves, and you're like, okay, this is an interesting thing. What's going on here? And then he does use it to wreck, and that's the only time he uses it. Like, it's I, a rule yeah. of threes there. It's but good. also, like, his speech with the broker, a bubble, bubble, like, just hysterical. Like, he's trying to play a bubble, bubble. I mean, oh, he, oh, he's great. Me and at, the, the guy moment behind at the end him when, couldn't even hold it together. That's and Sean Gunn. Yeah. That's Sean Gunn, man. He, he couldn't even hold it together. That was just so funny. The moment at the end when he finally opens the sphere and it's the uh, troll inside and he just smiles, I was like, oof. And, like, he's not even mad. And he's probably mad too. Yes. But he's just like, that kid is a scamp. Yeah. And I, I think it's great. The I Ravagers. mean, let's not forget to shout out our guy, John C. Riley. Oh, um, yeah. Just doing the great work, not doing a ton, but very funny. When the, his response the to Glenn's thing uh, was just. When she's uh, like, well, what do you think? And he's like, well, I don't know if anyone could be 100%. Yeah, 100% dick. I was like, yeah. oh, oh such a fun. It's so good. And that's that, where you get and, that subtle. That it, so good. And yeah, then and the hug so, with his family at the end is just so that's well. That's very sweet. I love yeah, the exchange with. Uh, at the end when he's letting the Guardians of the Galaxy go and they're just kind of throwing crimes by him and Drax is like, what if I kill yeah. that because I <laughs> well, don't like him? that's the worst of all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So great. Well, the, way, the, the way, oh, real quick, the way Riley delivers that line is almost like he's going to be like, well, that's fine. But he goes, well, that's actually murder. That's like <laughs> the worst. <laughs> it's just that no one else does it like him and that's why you get him even for yeah. something as... Well, and this is another small. thing that I think comes down not just to James Gunn, but I'm sorry I didn't look up who cast the movie, but whoever was working with James Gunn on this did such a great job of stocking every single role with interesting character yeah. actors or fun people. Beyond John C. Riley, you got Peter Serafinowitz is the guy backing you up. He's the one who says, what a bunch of a-holes. I think his name is Saul or Soul or something like that. And he has a weird bond with Rec- uh, Rocket in the middle of the final fight, which actually also pays off really emotionally for that character. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, that's, what's nice is it's like, nothing is wasted. Like a good improv scene, everything is turned over, everything is examined, the, uh, everything that we see, if you're paying attention to, pays off later. It is such a uh, a well done, I mean, even the collector, I mean, you get uh, Guillermo del Toro in there is just the creepiest it's, uh, dude. Benicio del Toro. Yeah, thank His you. His brother. His brother, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but man, uh, just just... From top to bottom, across the, I, it's just unbelievable. Um, and it was just rewatching. It, it's just like, oh yeah, like yeah, just so, just so you know. Fun. And I don't, I don't on the rewatch note. Like I don't rewatch a lot of movies, even these Marvel movies, even though I love them. So rewatching this these day, I was Marvel like, movies, like you're like what the, is ones that? the ones we're talking about. Okay, uh, it just seems like the way you said it, it was just like they were less than. I didn't appreciate it. Less than what? No, I I think I, if you look at, I don't know if you listen to comments or you have that goldfish brain thing. I've yeah, been pretty yeah. glowing about this, uh, my thoughts on this movie. But rewatching these movies, it's like watching it again for the first time. You know, it's there it's were fun. A lot of things that I had completely forgotten the, from this movie. You know, I, I feel like 
I I feel like I remembered a lot of the big sequences. Definitely remember the stuff at the beginning with Star Lord. Uh, remembered the initial thing on Morag when he goes and gets the orb to begin with. Remember the breakout from the kiln. So and the final fight, like the final dance battle, and all yeah. of that stuff. But a lot of the specifics in between. There's so many fun little character moments and things yeah. that happen in almost every frame of the entire movie, as well as. Like we're talking about, the big thing that I'd forgotten is how tightly woven the script is and how it builds. I was going to mention earlier the way that they roll out the information on the Ravagers as well. Like they just sort of mention them casually. They're like, oh, Star-Lord, he is a Ravager. And we kind of meet them, but we don't know what that means. And it isn't until later in the movie that that builds up and builds up. And then in that final fight when the Dark Aster is trying to land on Xandar, that's when we really get to see the full force of, okay, this is who the Ravagers are. They're this organization. They're outlaws, but they're a military force to be reckoned with. And even the way that whole scene builds to take a little swerve into talking about that final fight there... It's very difficult to do space battles with a lot of pew-pewing going off and make it look like anything. And the fact that that fight works on multiple levels of the Nova Corps creating this net to hold back the Dark Aster while the Ravagers are on the ground shooting at the Necrocraft. And inside the Dark Aster, you have these very personal fights between Gamora and Nebula um, and Drax and uh, Jaimon Hansu. I'm completely blanking on his character name um but it all yeah. works like it's well the balanced cues. it's well edited and it flows so well throughout yeah no it's it's true and um but that's why like it's the commitment to the story commitment every character's commitment to their their character uh it's why you see it in the, this reminded me of the suicide squad the recent one and how that has a lot of the same dna here obviously because it's james gunn um, I was going to say it's, it's the same formula. Why. It's the same guy. But I'm saying, like, to make two very no, different. No, it's the movies. same director on and both it, movies. That's this why this is a it's little bit of a side thing. But if I was it. to put together my own Suicide Squad, I would say you mm-hmm. gotta have Guillermo del Toro, Al <laughs> Roker, and Happy Hogan. That, that's my core three. <laughs> that's and how then, you gotta start. Yeah, that's how. Well, it's, that's how my. It's funny. Begins. That's my favorite improv comedy team. Is <laughs> oh wow, nice. That's huge. I wanted to, just because we brought them up just now, I wanted to mention Gamora and Nebula, Karen Gillan and Zoe Saldana in this movie, which is another thing. They don't get a lot of screen time together, and Nebula isn't on very much, but they make such an impression, and their relationship as daughters of Thanos is so interesting and so emotionally against each other, yeah. hefty. Yeah. yeah, particularly the way... Karen Gillan plays Nebula. I remember watching it the first time because I was used to her. I I liked her a lot from Doctor Who. She was one of the companions on that. And she plays obviously a very different character there. But here, the way she sort of whispery does the Nebula voice, it's almost like at the back of her mouth the entire time with a little bit of a lilt of an accent. It's so interesting. Like it's an interesting, immediately fascinating character. Okay. It is, and at the same time, you still see com- uh, things that she shares with Gamora. I think both actors in their performance found ways to have them have like some qualities, like when they're fighting and when they're sort of being badasses. You're like, oh, these are sisters, even though the rest of the performance is uh, so different. Um, it's really cool, and we should talk about Thanos real quick. Well, uh, I guess is, I, mean, I wanted to talk about more important stuff, but all right. 
No, no, no. Let's talk about Thanos because you get a couple of things here. I, I have the same impression watching it this time as when I first watched it, which is they treat Thanos like a punk in this movie. And yeah. it is given that they're building him up as the big threat of the Marvel Universe. He's a floating throne. Yeah, which is the, right the out the of way the, the armrests, The way the armrests have little two separate jets on them, I was like, Dude, that's pretty lame. cool. It's, <laughs> wait, did you say lame? It's dork. It's a dorky. That's like a drawing I would make jet as a kid. Armrests? I mean, that's pretty baller, man. How do you sync them up? How do you sync them up so they're not one's not hovering higher or lower than the other? One? You become Thanos, and then it happens. Yeah, well, he's he probably he's he's probably like spending a lot of time just sort of modulating his muscles yeah, to make sure kinda, that stuff works. Probably, yeah. 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 Is that the reality stone that handles sort of the mm-hmm. um, the lazy boy the chair? I think it, no, I think it's the floating stone. I think that's the one it is. But not, I think the not stones. Not yeah. stones. Um, I think the real thing to talk about here is is maybe one of the best meat cutes of all time. Hold on, hold on. We're not done talking about Thanos because uh, I do think that's the, uh, this is the overarching plot of not just Phase Two but the whole Infinity Saga. The fact that you get him introduced, comic faithful Thanos at the end of Avengers, and then he's this weird, stretched out marshmallow man in this movie who Ronan. Who, mind you, I like Lee Pace, but he's doing most of the work to get across that Ronan is a bad guy here. There's not a lot of yeah. backstory other than I want to kill all life in the universe. Yeah. The fact that he comes in, kills Alexis Denisoff's speaker immediately, and Thanos is like, well, going to rock it off of my chair. And then later, Ronan is like, I'm going to keep this power show for myself. And Thanos is like, oh, wait, don't cut off the car. And that's yeah. all we get from him. Very weird. He had to be pissed. But he yeah. probably had someone come in to make his ottoman float or something. Do, do yes. whatever. Well, like, he's got other things going on. He's well, got bigger plans, guys. Is I like, do think it points he's got to... He's six stones to deal with. Not it yeah. points to something that I think people, particularly recently, have been pointing out as a flaw with the MCU that I actually think is a feature, is they didn't really have a plan here, right? Yeah. Like, they kind of, they were like, oh, we should put Thanos in here because we haven't seen him for a while since Avengers and it's a space thing. And it doesn't work. And then it doesn't work to the point Dude, where a, co- it, a couple of movies down the road, he's like, fine, I'll do this myself, and gets his glove, and then doesn't show up again for a while. I don't mind it at all. I like it. I uh, like, like that it? he's not all-powerful the whole from the jump, because then he has no place to go. He's just this weird guy Dude, who is like, it, who grown lo- in... Who loves chairs and sit in the space. Loves chairs. But, but loves also, sitting. like, it's worth it for that smile at the end alone, where it's like panning away from him in his floating chair, and he's just smiling. Yeah, I mean, that's the classic Jim Starlin. That's one of the covers of Infinity Gauntlet, I think. Yeah, right? it's yeah. great. It's true. It's, yeah, the so fact that we stuff. get it is just... I mean, yeah, shut the I fuck up. Know. It's fucking fantastic, man. Okay, I agree. All right. <laughs> So anyways, what was the meat cute you wanted to talk about? Yeah, Gamora was it Thanos in his and, chair. Oh, nope. sorry. Okay. Gamora and Star-Lord, the, the classic like fighting each other in the beginning and then you know arrested together and then finally, you know, they listen to some tunes and you hear the amazing story of Footloose and it's going to win you over. It's going to move you and you know, uh Gamora's not above that. So it was really just uh it's quite magical, and it's uh, it's really well done. Their relationship is great, and I love the fact that they don't kiss by the end of this movie. Yeah, I, I feel like that would have been the easy route to go, and the fact that she gains a little respect for him, and he gains 
just learns to be a better person by being around her, but they don't, you know, consummate the relationship. I think. Yeah, I love the part where she was like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? I'm not some like just you can't just do it. And he's like, uh, he's, you know, has to learn like to be better. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a great uh, a kind of a great way to kind of start that relationship and to I mean, earn her trust. I know there's been a lot of discussion that I've seen online in the intervening years about Star-Lord's treatment of women and the whole idea of having an arc of a guy needs to learn to be respectful of women. He shouldn't need to learn to do that. But I think there's also an argument to be made of he was raised by these dudes in space who are outlaws, never had really parental figures, never knew how anything should work. That is the only thing he needed to know. Uh, That's the only thing he knew. So does she need to teach him to be a better person? Not necessarily, but at the same time, that's kind of the point of movies is characters meet each other and they learn lessons from each other and learn how to be better people or ultimately end up being worse people and turn into villains. So that's just kind of how it works. Yeah. So yeah. I understand the objections on a global yeah, scale, sense. like in the yeah. real world, but in terms of the span of the movie, I think it's all right, personally. All and right. if anybody out there disagrees, let us know. Comic book club live at gmail.com. Happy to discuss it. Uh, but yeah, I really, I loved uh, Gamora's stuff. I also wanted to give a shout out to Rocket. I know we mentioned Rocket yeah. earlier, but man, the stuff with Rocket is also so relatively subtle and emotional, the way they play out his arc over the course of the movie. Reportedly, James Gunn wanted to make this movie because he cared about Rocket. And I know I'm jumping ahead here, but I have a pretty strong feeling that the third movie is going to be all about Rocket's origins, potentially. Right. but I mean, it's it's it like the fact that like when he's drunk and like he points out when everybody called him something like vermin, you know, like just the fact that he was holding on to that and the fact that he was like, you don't know what it's like to be made over and over again, like uh, the his torture or his past um, really is an interesting aspect of who he is. I mean, even like when we get him for an introduction, it's him looking at humans, like making these hilarious comments. Where he's like, "Get it together, learn how to walk on your own." And he, it shows like a little baby. It was just, it's such a cool perspective, and like the fact that even uh, he has to teach Groot what gender is because Groot bags the wrong person. It's just such an interesting. Interesting kind of uh, a character and dynamic. And as much as we've been big upping all the sort of uh, favravizations, um, is what I'm calling it now, comedy uh, in these movies, in this movie, like there's so much heartfelt, so many heartfelt moments here, like yeah. Rocket and beautiful moments, like when uh, Groot lights up the room with his uh, laser seeds. Like to take the time to have glowing those, seeds. They're not laser seeds. They're just they're glowing, sort of like glowing it's like seeds. A, it's like a laser light show. No, you know, it's glowing the your, dark seeds. Take your edible, sit back, and let it ride. The There's also the moment later on where he uh, encapsulates them in that orb. He saves them from the crashing dark aster and does the mm-hmm. we are Groot. I Tears. Tears. Yeah. Total tears. I think, you know, perhaps deservedly so, because Vin Diesel is a ludicrous human being. He gets a lot of flack <laughs> sometimes about a lot of things, including the fact that he recorded each I Am Groot individually in multiple languages, which is 
way beyond what you needed to do. I don't know if you guys remember this, but he used to show up on stilts to the red carpet for Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, he just sort of walk in there on his stilts and he's like, hey, everybody, I'm Groot. Uh, ridiculous. He's but a it, fun guy. But it also, it pays off in the movie because every I am Groot does feel different. It is yeah. reacted to in a different way. And that we are Groot that is so emotional wouldn't pay off if it felt like they were just running it through a computer with the same thing every time, you know? So, and also stuff. to kind of to talk about Rocket a little bit, like the fact where Rocket's like holding Groot as just like a stick and then Gra- uh, Drax like pets him. And it's like we see kind of Rocket like start to freak out, but then realize he kind of likes it and is all right with it. It's just such a kind of powerful, weird moment that uh, really kind of sums up the movie. If I, as the youngest member, if I um, die last in this group, I'll take each one of your fingers each and plant, plant it. Oh, thanks. I'll dance, it. too. I want you back. Just my finger, though. Just a little finger yeah. dance. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Pete, what, what song would you like? Would you would make your bones dance? Don't go anywhere near <laughs> my grave, bro. Probably right. Don't go near, bones. not even the grave? Yeah. To, to, you stay away, man. All right. Right. What if I want to leave every week? I was going to leave the new stack of comics on your grave. <laughs> Better bag and board them and put them. You want to bag and board them? We're going to bag and board you, bro. Good. Nice. Give me Why, What else should we shout out about the movie before we turn briefly to the vision board and talk about what's coming down the road from Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, Other my God. So much. So much. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, whew. Let me just scroll through here. Uh, your notes are Al Roker, Al Roker, Al Roker, Guillermo del yeah. Toro. Oh, Al the Roker. knife part Happy in Hogan. the prison where he's like, I'm going to, I like this knife. I'm going to take it. And then the guy's like, that was my favorite knife. Like, oh, and my there's just God. A minute. I mean, I don't have anything more to say besides there's so many good little moments in this movie. It's worth a rewatch if you haven't done it in a little while. There, yeah. her, Gamora yelling, the melody is pleasant, you know, when she first gets the, I mean, just. Yeah. Oh, one one other thing that I wanted to shout out that I really appreciated on this rewatch that I think strikes me every time anew when I watch it is the fact that in the way they've been treated in the MCU since and the way you kind of think about them is they're a bunch of bumbling morons. Everybody keeps calling them idiots and stupid throughout the entire movie, but they're all actually very capable at what they do. And yeah. That makes yeah. it overall a better movie. The, I bring this up specifically about the kiln escape thing where Rocket is throwing That's out That's a great, great plan. He, like yeah, the fact that he comes awesome. up with that. Yeah. And then that they recognize it. The line of Star-Lord being like, that was a really good plan. And it is. <laughs> yeah. Letting your characters be smart and be beyond the audience is harder to do to lead to comedy, I think than just everybody being bumbling idiots and falling off space stations and whatever else you're going to do. But ultimately, it's more rewarding as a watch, as a movie, as an action movie, as a superhero movie, all of this stuff. So and when people again, are like yelling stuff at Rocket, and he was like, that is true. That is also true. Like just <laughs> the honesty of those moments is mm-hmm. just... Uh, uh, it, and when, you know, like Justin said, when you have these great characters and they're just bouncing off of each other, being who they are, and we get to kind of see that and know them in those little, uh, yeah, the little moments are really just amazing. 
So let us go to our vision board and talk about the future. Now, obviously, there's been Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. They showed up in Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. We also know that they are going to be in Thor Love and Thunder, which is coming up later this year. So that should be super fun, picking up on that relationship. And I believe they've just finished, as we're taping this, filming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is uh, going to wrap up. James Gunn's time with the team. Oh. We don't know who's going to survive or anything that's going to happen. Oh, but beyond that, uh, but also there's going to be a Groot Guardians of the there's going to be an I Am Groot animated series and a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special that uh-huh. James Gunn has likened to the Star Wars holiday special of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So lots that of stuff going down the road. like a blast. Oh my God, that's yeah, going to be so fun. Yeah, so what are you looking forward to <laughs> just looking forward through all of these things? What's, uh, what's the number one or number two thing that you're most excited to see out of the Guardians of the Galaxy over the next couple of years? Them and Love and Thunder, I'm super excited about because it feels that the Thor-Guardians relationship that we saw through the rest of um, Avengers Endgame and all that was really fun. I like that relationship. I want to see... I didn't love Volume 2 of Guardians. I feel like it got caught up in too much sort of highfalutin storytelling and it the story got out of, out of balance a little bit with Peter Quill stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we lost some of the other characters, so I'm hoping a return to form for Volume Three, and not get too way down with other Marvel continuity. And uh, give me that holiday special, Pete. What about you? What are you looking forward to? What's on your I, vision board? I mean, yeah, exactly what uh, Justin said, basically. But uh, yeah, I just want because we had Baby Groot, and then we had Teenage Groot, which was fun. You know, like he to see a teenager in Groot form was really great. Uh, but yeah, I want to get, it'll be excited to get Groot back because he is the real heart. I mean, a couple of times when he guffawed at what Rocket said and kind of how evil Rocket can be sometimes was just so magical. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, uh, these characters that I know and loved, uh, kind of get, getting back to their core and, 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 uh, kind of hopefully, uh, straightening the ship out a little bit. But I'm also, Gun, I hope, goes out on top, man. I'm wishing nothing but success for that guy. Yeah, I, I'm i right there with you guys just in terms of the emotion, and I think he's going to bring it. Everybody on cast at least has talked about how they cried reading the script for Volume 3. Oh, A couple wow. of specific things I'll mention that potentially get into spoilers, but I guess we'll see. One, we do know Adam Warlock is going to show up in... Super psyched for that. Three. One of my Dude, favorite spoilers, comic characters. Very fun. And the other one, as I mentioned, I think we are going to finally get into Rocket's origins, since that seems to be the story that James Gunn has been leading up to the entire time. And there's been a lot of speculation about this online, but there seems to be some sort of other animal creatures that are wandering around. So there's a lot of speculation that maybe the villain for the movie is the High Evolutionary, which is one of my absolute favorite weird villains from Marvel Comics. So, yeah, get weird, get emotional. Looking forward to it. And for all of you, if you'd like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. So just leaving a quick message for Mr. Favreau. We love your work. (laughs) Call Pete back.